You can kick your fancy ales, you can take them by the flagon, but the only food for the raven too comes from the green dragon. Welcome to a special edition of the Green Dragon, your Lord of the Rings and Hobbit strategy battle game podcast. I'm Jeremy, and I'm here to talk about some of the events of the last few weeks. Firstly, as you're hopefully aware, we're going to have new models. We don't normally talk about new releases because most of our podcasts will be very empty, but I thought I'd mention some of the stuff that is excited us at the moment. At the time of recording, we have new elves in our hands. I've seen some of the new models. They look great. They're on par with all the Hobbit releases that I've seen before, which have been wonderful. And we're waiting for Thorin's Company. We've seen pictures of Thorin's Company officially released, and that's all available to order. There are rumors of something big coming, but I'm not going to talk too much about that. I want to talk about some of the negativity that people have engaged in and talked about throughout this. This could be our last set of releases coming up to the last movie. It's a very exciting time. We know about the prices. They're not good. We don't really, really approve of that. We live in Australia. We know. We understand. I warn from my own experience, watch out about getting too negative about these things. Could be a once to a lifetime event. A lot of these models won't be available. So I'm going to focus on the positive aspects of it. That's pretty well all I'm going to speak about with the negativity about the releases. We're going to keep a positive vibe for the podcast as much as possible because we really enjoy it. And I'm going to enjoy these last releases. From our own point of view, we've had a massive increase in listeners in the last week. We've really somehow latched on to the overseas market. We've been putting out little ads in forums, trying to get to as many podcatching apps as possible, and it seems to have paid off. We've got a very, very nice uh, set of listeners in the US and some in the UK and some, a few other countries as well. This is very exciting for us. For the first few months of our show, we were basically playing to ourselves. We had our small audience, mostly in Melbourne, Australia, and around Australia, but really not much overseas. Occasionally, we'd get an overseas listener if someone went on a holiday, but other than that, it was really local. It's going to be interesting to hear your opinions. We know the Australian scene really well. We travel to all the cities in Australia. We know a lot of the people. We talk a lot. I don't really know a lot about the US scene or the UK scene. Please give us some feedback. Jump on our Facebook page. Have a chat to us. Let us know what you feel about it, how you play the game. It could be very different. We will continue to have an Australian perspective, but I'm really keen to hear about your own experience. For this episode, I'm going to provide a little bit of a flashback. I'm going to talk about the history of the show, The Green Dragon, and then provide you our first ever recording. This is something that hasn't been released before. It's sat on my hard drive. I had to dig it up, but I'm very excited to play it. Some of it's really good, some of it's not so good. I'll let you be the judge of which is which. We started around 2010 with myself, Travis, and Charles. The idea was to provide a podcast. Podcasts were big at the time, relatively new still, and I was really disappointed there was no Lord of the Rings strategy game podcast. So we decided to make our own. Now, we ran into some snags early on. Most of us were amateurs, didn't know what to do. Some of us had worked with sound before, but not from an editing and point of view so much mostly setting up equipment we wanted to make the podcast that we wanted to listen to that was our main aim and that still is our main aim you hear different voices on different episodes it's because they're passionate about what they're speaking about if someone's not interested in a topic we just don't have them on for that episode we agreed early on that we didn't want to make any money off this we didn't want to turn into a business we didn't want to do all that stuff 
So we basically have said throughout that we're not for profit. We've made a bit of a joke about it since then, but I don't want to start a paid forum. I don't want extra content. And the others agree with me on this. We don't want money going around. The podcast costs a little bit of money to run, but it's actually quite negligible, really. Uh, We pay our subscriptions fee for our SoundCloud account. The equipment we use is mostly borrowed from uh, my own work and also Travis's work. We both work in audio, so we can have access to the equipment. So we're lucky enough in that sense. So we don't really want money coming in. We don't want money going out too much. We, that's not our aim there. At the time of our first recording, we were in a bit of state of transit. We didn't know the Hobbit movies were coming. We had the War of the Ring rule set basically take over for a short time over the strategy battle game, and it threw a lot of people off. There was some disruption to it. A lot of people had played strategy battle game for quite a bit. War of the Ring came in, and the amount of models put them off a bit. There was a thought that this was going to be the main supported system, that strategy battle game was going to disappear, and we're only going to have the War of the Ring. This was before the five source books that we currently use for Lord of the Rings. In episode zero, we talk about the War of the Ring, we talk about strategy battle game. For our own group, we very, 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 very rarely play War of the Ring. If we do, it's a club scene, it's everyone puts their models on the table, and it's a big sort of laugh day, and you just keep throwing models on and off the whole way through. We have played it as a tournament game. It didn't stick particularly well there. There has been some thoughts of people about uh, bringing it back, which is which would be good, but Strategy Battle Game is definitely where our game group sits. If you still play War of the Ring, please let us know. That would be great to hear. Well, that's enough from me. Here is the first episode without any adjustments to it, the pure file that I have found there, and I'll see you at the end. Welcome to the Green Dragon Podcast. Here your hosts, Charles, Travis and Jeremy, will discuss all aspects of tabletop wargaming in Middle-earth. So sit back, relax and put your feet up as we take you to the Green Dragon. In episode 1, we'll introduce the hosts, discuss ways to play Lord of the Rings and War of the Ring, take an in-depth look at Legolas in Know Your Foe, build Tower of Ecthelion lists in Mustering an Army, and finally, debate the merits of spears in Quick Thoughts. This will be a night to remember. Welcome to the Green Dragon Podcast, your home for Lord of the Rings War Games. Now, as this is our first episode, I just wanted to take a little time to introduce our host. First, we have Charles. Hi. Now, Charles, how long have you been playing Lord of the Rings? I've been playing Lord of the Rings strategy battle game since it came out, or since the third book came out in 2003, and my first army was Gondor. That's quite a long time. Is it true, though, that you're not particularly good at it? I'd say that I'm fairly reasonable. I tend not to play tournaments, though, because I can't sort of travel long distances. Fair enough. I was joking. You're a fine player sometimes. What's your favourite part of the hobby? My favourite part of the hobby has to be actually playing the game. I don't tend Mm -hmm. to like painting as much as playing, so yeah, I like playing the game. That's fair enough. What type of game do you like? We've got lots of ways to play the game now, which we're going to go into in the next section. What's your favourite type? My favourite type has to be small points matches, which is where two players uh, have equal size armies and face off in a scenario against each other. So small points match... Now, you mentioned Scenario. Is that the points match games like Legions of Middle-Earth? Yeah, Legions of Middle-Earth. From the strategy battle game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What kind of points 
do you describe there? What's a small points game? A small points game for the strategy battle game is generally between 250 and maybe 500 points. Okay. And what are you currently playing or working on in Lord of the Rings? Well, these holidays I've just gotten some orcs, my very first box of orcs ever. Mm -hmm. And um, I just finished putting the first 12 of them together tonight. So I'm hoping to use them soon in battle with my Dol Guldur army. Sounds good. Travis, hey. our second host, how long have you been playing Lord of the Rings? Seven years now since I got, in, got into it in year seven. So yeah, seven years. Mm -hmm. Giving away your age there, that's an interesting choice. What's your favorite yeah. part of the hobby? Oh, I'm going to have to go with the, the gaming side as well. Um, I, I do enjoy painting and making train and stuff, but I like putting it, pulling it all together for a good hard-fought game. And I heard a rumour that you just managed to pull it all together for a tournament recently. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yes, CanCon. That was a very good tournament. Um, couldn't quite get first place for uh, War of the Ring, though, but did manage to steal the victory for Heroes and Monsters, which was uh, a nice surprise. And uh, uh, kudos to everybody else who gave me some hard-fought matches. What's your favourite type of game? I'm going to have to say scenarios. I'm starting to like scenarios again. I got them off them, off them for a while, but now that I've started to write my own, um, I'm really seeing that you can put a lot of different circumstances into the game and you don't have to have necessarily have equal size armies to have um, a, a fair game. And what are you currently playing or working on? Well, coming just off CanCon, I'm playing War of the Ring at the moment. I'd like to finish off my elves. Got about what about now fifty or so to paint up. Is that all? <laughs> so I'll probably say my elves at the moment and might work on some of the other heroes I have floating around that just managed to skip through the, the painting. Thank you very much. And I'm Jeremy. I've been playing Lord of the Rings, well the strategy battle game for about it's probably been eight years now. Surprisingly we've all been playing it for about the same time. My favourite part of the hobby is definitely the painting. I spend a lot of time painting my models. I'm a fairly good gamer, but painting is definitely my favourite part. I love being able to go home after work, set up the paints for an hour or so, and finish off a model. My favourite type of game, if you asked me three months ago, I would have said scenarios from Strategy Battle Game. But playing at CanCon, I was playing the War of the Ring game, which I hadn't really tried that much. Um, I managed to do really well with it, and I was very impressed with the spectacle of it, being able to put my whole army on the table, have my Harrod Force all arrayed out, and actually use things like Fell Beast and Mumikill, which you don't normally use. You did so, pretty well in CanCon, didn't you too, Jeremy? I mean, you pulled that best paint or something, didn't you? So. Yeah, I did get best painted, thanks for that, Travis. And I came first in the War of the Ring. But the one I really wanted with my three Nazgul flying Fell Beast were the, um, the Heroes and Monsters 500-point strategy battle game tournament, but someone managed to knock me out <laughs> in the last game. So thanks for that, Travis. No and I'm currently... Working on my Harrod army, actually. It's still on the painting table. It's still got a lot to go. And I've also been putting together some terrain, which I'm looking forward to revealing later when we go play a game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, actually. Yeah. Her Harrod force is getting really large now, and I'd like to see that all together. Thanks a lot. We'll have a quick break before we discuss ways to play Lord of the Rings and War of the Ring. which is uh, different ways to play. So first of all, we'll start off with Jeremy. What is Lord of the Rings? 
Well, the Lord of the Rings strategy battle game, it's a full name, is a game by Games Workshop, who make a lot of other war games. It's a skirmish game, which means you have a small amount of models and each one represents one. Each of these models can be moved individually and you tend not to have too many on the board. A good game is maybe between 10 and 50 models aside, 50 being very large and possibly taking a while. In the Lord of the Rings game, you get to control heroes from the Lord of the Rings books and movies, as well as generic troops, some of which are good, some of which are not so good, and some of which are absolutely rubbish. Charles, what do you, what do you think uh, War of the Ring is? War, War of the Ring is actually sort of the polar opposite of the strategy battle game. It's um, a game designed for mass battles set in Middle-earth, and um, yeah, you have the same things, you can control heroes and warriors and big monsters, but it's on a much larger scale. Instead of having maybe from 10 to 50 miniatures, you might have from 100 to 500 miniatures, and 500 miniatures, again, would take a very long time to play. Now, the model's the same with uh, the Strategy Battle Game and the War of the Ring. Uh, Indeed, systems. they are. There have even been new models released as a result of War of the Ring, and some of the rules have translated over into the strategy battle game too. Now, I just want to add to that very quickly. The, one of the major differences between War of the Ring and Lord of the Rings is that in War of the Ring, you place your models on trays, either eight infantry on a tray or two cavalry. That means that you actually move that as one unit instead of as eight individuals. You still take them off as one, if they, they get injured or wounded, but you move them around the trays, which speeds up the game a lot. Added to that, a lot of the trays join together to form a formation, so you actually will move, say, a group of nine Haradrim archers, which is 72 models, all together as one unit, whereas strategy battle game, 72 models would go their own direction and take a long time to finish. Now, that said, you still have your single models as well, like the, your big Moomakill models and your, your trolls and things. How do they kind of come into that kind of movement thing? Oh, that's a good question. The monsters, which are the class of, of on an individual base, move around by themselves. They're usually a little bit slower than infantry and cavalry because they don't have as much things commanding them. They are a lot more maneuverable though. They could move through smaller areas, they can change directions a lot quicker, and they can see all around them and react to things behind them. So generally, monsters move around as individuals. They don't have as much support. You can't put three heroes riding most monsters, like you can with an infantry tray, but they tend to hit hard and usually operate behind the backs of enemies because they have enough speed to run around and annoy people. All right, thanks for that. Well, uh, the next, next bit we're going to go into is scenarios versus point matches now. It's been a, a bit of a debate so far, so uh, Charles, why don't you give us uh, your opinion on the difference between scenario games and point match games? Well, scenario games in the strategy battle game are set up to have set participants in a uh, following a storyline that's maybe from either the book or the movie. So for instance you might have Boromir going to the rescue of the two hobbits at the time of Amon Hen. Whereas in uh, the War of the Ring game you set up a scenario to play a whole very large battle like the Siege of Osgiliath or say a battle set in Harad. Would you like to uh, add to that Jeremy? I thoughts? certainly would. I really like scenarios. They give you a chance to reenact, as Charles said, something either historic. Now, I use history very loosely because we know this is a fantasy genre, but something that happened in Tolkien's world or 
to, to make up your own. What if, what if Boromir survived through the Fellowship's journey and was able to fight at the Black Gate? Scenarios usually focus on one or two models as the, really the protagonist or the antagonist, and you build the scenario around that. There's actually many, many scenarios in the skirmish game. There's many supplements. There's ones that deal with the Fellowship of the Ring journey, some that deal with the Two Towers, what happened there, ones from the Return of the King movie and book, but also other more abstract ones. There's scenarios dealing with Dane Ironfoot, which is a dwarf king. Um, there's scenarios dealing with the Last Alliance, the Sauron versus the elves and the, the Numenorians. So you take it a lot of different ways. And my favorite part about scenarios is you don't have to worry about army composition. You get given what you get given, you do your best with it, and it makes a really good story. Now, what about the pros and cons for, for points matches and scenarios? Because I'm, I'm struggling to see how a scenario type would work well in a tournament, whereas point matches where people bring in their own armies uh, are a bit more effective and, well, how would you say, gives you a bit more freedom with uh, the, the tournament atmosphere and things like that. What, what do you guys think? with that firstly i think we should describe uh what a points match game is because we went into a lot of depth about scenarios charles do you want to that uh yeah a points match game is basically where two players come along and they agree on a certain number of points for their army size to be each model has a set value of points and points for its equipment like say a shield might cost one point and a spear another point or if you're an elf you can have an elf bow and that costs two points and two players generally decide on a points limit, say 500, and then they go out and build two evenly matched armies and fight them together on the field of battle. And answering Travis's question, of course, he mentions that how would you play a scenario in tournaments? Generally, you don't. Points matches works much better for playing someone you haven't met before, for someone who you have a different collection to. Scenarios deal with a very certain area. So if we're basing our scenario in Mirkwood, it would pretty much be maybe elves versus orcs and spiders and things. Now, that's no good if you have a Corsair army. So what we do is play a points match game where you just say, let's play 500 points, and you get given a scenario as well. There's a, a book called Legions of Middle-Earth, which has, I think it's about 12 scenarios. Yeah. And you can play that, which works really well for tournament plays because, in theory, everyone has an equal force. Everyone's force is designed to do the same thing, win scenarios, and you don't have to worry about the setting too much. All right, well, now we've talked about the game and stuff, what about terrain? How does terrain come into the, the games of War of the Ring and Strategy Battle Game? Charles, do you want to take the... uh, In Strategy Battle Game, as far as I see it, you've got terrain that sort of does two different things. You've got terrain that blocks line of sight and terrain that slows movement. You generally have a combination of both on a board when you're playing a scenario or a points match. Yeah, they basically block lines of sight and slow people down. Uh, Jeremy, uh, mm -hmm. thoughts? Uh, terrain is really what brings a battlefield alive. It's really rewarding to see a board designed to represent Isengard or Minas Tirith set up. It gives your model something to move around. It slows them down in some areas. It helps their defense in some areas. It helps bottleneck the force. It really adds to the, the overall tactical nature of the game. In a strategy battle game, I would recommend having as much terrain as possible because it really makes the game good fun. In War of the Ring, because of the, the way the armies are designed, you probably want about 
maybe four to six pieces of terrain on the board. Not too big, but something that, that can force you to maneuver around, unless of course you're elves, <laughs> and, <laughs> and to, to really help you break it up. The other thing that terrain does is, of course, helps you defend against shooting by forcing the enemy not to see you. Travis, do you want to explain how that works? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, in uh, Lord of the Rings, it, it really, uh, with shooting, uh, if you have something between you and the shooter, it, it gives you uh, basically like a 50-50 chance of the shot being discounted before it gets to you. So mm-hmm. shooting in, in strategy battle game can really be dumbed, dumbed down or have the knife edge blunted, if you will, um, by having something between you and the shooter. Mm-hmm. In the War of the Ring, I think it's a little bit less effective, um, but I think a, a big thing about the difference in War of the Ring and Strange Battle Game is War of the Ring, it's a lot easier to draw a line to a big formation of things, and especially with terrain, because they only have a, a certain amount of models you can put into a, a terrain piece, like um, a terrain capacity of three, which means you can put three companies worth of, of say, elves or or dwarves mm-hmm. or, or orcs in there. It does give you a, a defense boost, but I, I think with War of the Ring, just the sheer amount of dice that you, you roll, it, it helps, but I don't think it helps as much in War of the Ring yep. than it does in Strategy Battle Game. So when you say it's not as effective, you mean the terrain yeah. doesn't have as big yeah. an influence on the game. Yeah. That's a fair enough point. I guess it depends on how much terrain you do. If you put almost no terrain on the Strategy Battle Game, Oh, yeah. well, game you can almost ignore yeah. it so De- definitely like that if you have yep. too little terrain it makes no difference if you have too much terrain it, it makes a huge difference but that's it's the same in strategy battle game too isn't it yeah definitely mm-hmm. all right let's get into our, our next kind of uh, field uh painted versus unpainted is there a difference between painting playing with a painted army and playing with an unpainted army i'll, I'll throw this to you jeremy first of all thank you very much uh, i appreciate that tra- uh travis basically all the models come unpainted, uh, either plastic or metal. You don't have to paint them. Some people just put them on the base and move them around. And look, the game probably plays pretty similar as long as you've got some terrain there. But for me, it's all about a visual spectacle. The reason I play a war game is to to have it look good so I can imagine the battles there and, and so I can create something. I really like the art side of it. I have played with unpainted models before, but I much prefer to play with painted models because it really gives me a sense of achievement. And let's face it, if I'm playing with a painted force and I get thrashed by Travis for some reason, I can still enjoy the game because the spectacle looks that much better. Oh, definitely from uh, coming back from camp on us being out, well, I think there was a couple of others who did as well. Definitely the, the, sh- the fact that we put in the effort to, to paint the extra army gave us that little bit of an extra edge as well, which I definitely agree with you. Charles, what about you? What do you think? Um, I think it's perfectly fine if you're just starting out to sort and or you and your mate are just starting out with a game that you have unpainted models but I definitely think that over time you sort of get a sense of achievement when you paint those last four arches that you have or the or you get an army done the first time I got an army done I felt really awesome because I could just go off to the tournament with a week before the tournament my army was finished so I didn't have to worry about that or anything. Now I want to just add to that before we move on Charles you're probably I don't know, maybe the least experienced painter of here. Do you think painting is a difficult thing to do? No, definitely not. It's not a difficult thing to do. Games Workshops just recently released some stuff that make it a whole lot easier. Mm -hmm. And probably the army I paint, Gondor, is not a terribly difficult army to paint either because it's only two or three colours and a wash. 
Mm-hmm. So for me, it hasn't been overly difficult, but I've recently started painting different things and I've used a technique called dry brushing and that's mm-hmm. a fairly simple technique to use as well. So it's not definitely not a difficult thing to do. Yep, and are you happy with the results you get? Yep, I'm certainly very happy with the results, especially on my spiders for my Dolgaldor army. Um, I kind of surprised myself a little bit there because they looked far better than I thought they were going to. Mm. And and keep going on that, and I'm stealing the mic away from you, Travis, so <laughs> fight me for it. Um, Travis, you've just painted your War of the Ring Alpha Army, and it really looks amazing. What techniques did you use that you haven't really used before? Well, I think uh, a big thing about my, my new War of the Ring Army is just keep it simple. Don't don't try to go over the top with it. Keep with your, Sorry. Uh, your, your skill ranges and things like that. You don't have to go out for every model as Golden Demon standard, but if you just put put down what you, you, you can do first, it, I think you, you pull out a much better result from it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. We'll take another break and then look at Legolas in Know Your Foe. It's time to get to Know Your Foe. Be on your guard. There are older and finer things than orcs in the deep places of the world. In this section, we're going to look at one of the characters from Lord of the Rings in a lot of detail. We want to go through why we like or why we dislike this character, and maybe even some advice on painting or modelling, some ideas there. This week, we have Legolas, the Prince of Mirkwood. So Charles, do you like Legolas? Yeah, Legolas is actually one of my um, favourite characters in the game. He tends to be used very much as a shooting character, Mm-hmm. But I like to see him as a decent combat character as well. Yep. He's got a very high fight value of 6, which um, means that against most en- most evil things, he's going to be able to beat them convincingly in a fight. Mm-hmm. However, he does come with a bow and a very good shoot value of 3+. plus. So, yeah, he also is a quite decent shot. So you're a, you're a fan of Legolas, aren't you? Yeah, very much so. Um, he has to be one of my favourite shooty characters in the game. Mm-hmm. He's also got a special rule in the strategy battle game called Deadly Shot, mm-hmm. which means that he can fire up to three times. People tend to use that a lot, but he also can fire one shot that always hits what he's shooting at, yep. even if it's in combat. Well, that's, the, a, that's a good one. He's the only good model in the game that can shoot a shot into combat. Mm-hmm. And that's a very important way of sort of sniping out spearmen and sniping out swordsmen that are picking on, say, Sam or Frodo, for instance. Yep. Um, he's a member of the Fellowship, and as such, he can get access to an elven cloak. Mm-hmm. This makes him sort of a very... turns him into a really, really good sniper in the game because it makes him hard to be seen at a yep. great distance. And, yeah, so he can just sit back piling shots into people while they have to move closer to him to see him. Mm-hmm. Now, as we're obviously talking about legless and strategy battle games, yep. so I say we keep going on with that. Travis, what about when you're playing evil? What what's it like having legless on the other side of the table? Oh, when I when I see people play legless, I go yes because he's he's a defense four squishy elf. <laughs> Fair Any, enough. Anything that's uh, defense four, even defense five and lower, that's um, pretty uh, pretty heavy in points. Um, I like to see because uh, they're fairly easy to get out. If, um, if you don't look after him. Um, he's definitely a thing to look out for, especially when uh, combat rolls around. If someone mm-hmm. starts to put him into combat, um, uh, he can seriously do some damage. And a great thing about Legolas is he can 
he can participate in pretty much every part of the game. He, he can shoot on in the early game. He can True. Uh, be very effective in combat during the middle bit, and he can keep your army around towards the end. And it's one thing with an eagle player you don't like to see in a hero is something that can affect every part of the game. Yes, yeah, so Legolas is an interesting one for me as well. I actually like a rule that you guys haven't mentioned yet called Woodland Creature. Now, this rule means that he almost acts like trees aren't there when he moves. He can move through woods, through forested areas, through natural growth areas with ease. Now, this means that you can, even though he's normally on foot, you can outrun a lot of things just by hugging close to woods. I like to, to use Legolas to get some shots off early, draw the enemy towards him, and then run back in the forest where they can't reach him. Charles, what other ways are there to field Legolas apart from the, the on-foot sniper? Well, you can field him on a horse as well, mm-hmm. and um, he makes a sort of a decent run down and hit character. Like, he can go after, say, small captains and lesser evil heroes, and because he's covers it, because of his high fight value of six and his decent attack number of two, mm-hmm. he, that makes him quite apt at that role as well. I agree there. Look, I think you can go over even more than lesser heroes. I think with a fight six you go headhunting the leader of the uh, of the evil force uh, with him. Well, a great thing about Lego, putting Legolas on a horse is you can get him to where he needs to be. Yeah. The thing with, with uh, models on foot is that they're hard to... If you don't place them in the right spot, they're, they're very hard to get somewhere else. The great thing about putting Legolas on a horse is A, he can get to where he wants to be, and B, he can actually still move five inches and take a shot if he needs yeah. to. Mm-hmm. What kind of forces would you put the strategy battle game Legolas in? Well, definitely he goes with elves, being an elf himself. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly the cheaper elves, the uh, Lothlorien elves that don't have heavy armour or and can have access to armour. Uh-huh. Well, I would actually put him with the Mirkwood ones because that's where he's from, but they're actually the same profile, so I'll concede that one to you. Yeah, so he goes with the elves that don't have armour quite well because... Yeah, they like to shoot and sort of not get directly involved in combat because mm-hmm. they have a low defence, and that's sort of a role that Legolas, armed with his bow and on foot with his elven cloak, supplements nicely. Yep. You've mentioned the shooting being a real advantage and not getting into combat. Look, I think that Legolas is a great combat character, but the real problem with him is, as Travis mentioned, the squishiness of his defence. You want to be in combat that you're going to win. If you're in combat that you have a chance of losing... He'll fall apart quickly. Now, Travis, what sort of games would you use Legolas in? Well, apart from uh, scenarios where you'd either have a choice or not to give Legolas, and that said, he's a great addition for the Fellowship scenarios as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I would generally uh, use him in uh, no no more than probably about, uh, no less than 500 point point matches. Um, Mm -hmm. You maybe could go a bit lower with him in the force, but um, I think he's just a bit too points heavy for anything lower than 500 uh he's a great leader for larger games yeah that's probably all i could really say on on that front i'm gonna elaborate a bit on your point about the fellowship legolas is obviously a member of the fellowship so he's comes in all those scenarios from the fellowship the ring book and and other ones around there the role he plays in the fellowship is basically to provide a bit of artillery for the the fellowship he's his profile can be yeah absolutely devastating and he can also fight he can fight reasonably well the only problem with him in the fellowship is people look at the defense and they go right you're gonna die first so quite often the good player is forced to use 
Gandalf or Aragorn or Boromir to protect Legolas, um, which is puts him on the back foot a bit. So Legolas is a bit of a double-edged sword there, and I really like that in a character. I like them to be very hard-hitting, very flexible, but also a little bit fragile because it forces you to use them well. That said, he though he is fragile, he does have more points of fate than he does wounds. That's true. Which makes him a lot more survivable than, say, yes, a normal he's, he's, elf captain. Yeah. On that, he definitely took a, an upgrade with the new edition of the rules um, a couple of years ago because I remember when he used to be only two points of fate and he used to fly through them now. I think the extra point of fate does put him a bit, a bit more, gives him a bit more durability up there with, with your uh, kind of like your Aragorns and things like that. Yeah, look, I agree with that. Fate is a way to, to ignore wounds. It's basically a 50-50 roll. It, fate's a commodity. So you, if you have three points of fate three times during the game, basically at any time, if he takes a wound, you can roll immediately to disregard that wound. On a four or more, on a six-sided dice, you ignore the wound. Having three of that really does help him. It makes him a little bit more survivable. Now, Charles, what's your favourite tactics to use when you have a Legolas in the force? Uh, it really depends on if I'm playing a scenario or a points match. Mm-hmm. In a scenario, he'll generally be with the Fellowship. So, yep. yeah, he's the artillery. He sort of stands back, moves slowly if he's on foot, and snipes at things. Mm-hmm. If there's no nothing that he can fire the one shot at, I'll generally unleash the three shots to go and, to go for mass kills. If I'm playing a points match, I'll probably take him on a horse because mm-hmm. it gives him that extra speed that he needs to get where he wants to. As Travis said, and he can still move five inches, which is almost as fast as a foot model move, and still shoot. Mm-hmm. Very true, Travis. What about you? How do you like to use Legolas in strategy battle well, game? I like to use him as a bit of a jack of all trades. Like I said before, a, a pain that I find with Legolas is he can be effective in all phases of the game. Mm-hmm. I think what you, I, I like to do with Legolas is um, stick him in the heart of your army, have him picking off the, the, the banners and things that, that just get really annoying when combat rolls around. And then when combat does roll around, he's in the middle of, of your bulk of guys, so it's going to be hard-pressed to, to get around and trap him. So. He, no matter what happens, if you chuck a spear behind him as well, you'll, you'll have three attacks with, with a fight six character. He ain't going down any time quick. And that said, he's got six. He's got uh, six, uh, six courage. Mm-hmm. Uh, courage of six. So he's going to stick around. So that's that's how I would use Legolas as a jack of all trades, affecting the, the game at all times. Yeah, I, I will add one more to that. I agree with both those points. I like to use Legolas's expert shot. Oh, deadly shot, sorry. Not to, to get the three shots. I like to guarantee it's going to hit. I figure that if I can pick off a little, I don't know, orc shaman or some sort of command figure behind, a ring wraith is a good one. Mm. That's well worth the shot, well ring worth the chance. Um, I would definitely try and take a shot at that and force them to use some of their fate or take some wounds off them early in the game. I really like that. And it's one of the few good models that can get through that sort of screen. Um, on the sniper roll... I much prefer him to be with the troops. I don't like him back too far because I think you need to keep him close by. So when the yeah. enemy does reach you, you can run him around the corner and start picking off weak points in the line. You don't want to be too too gung-ho with him, but he's really good. And look, with an Alvin Cloak, he's almost impossible to touch until he wants you to. Yeah. Okay, well, that's Legolas in Strategy Battle Game. Next episode, we'll discuss Legolas in War of the Ring. That was Know Your Foe. Join us next for the Tower of Ecthelion in Mustering an Army.
The battle for Middle-earth is about to begin. Mustering an army. Alright, so we're back and this is our next segment, uh, Mustering Your Forces. Uh, this is where we'll take one list from the uh, Legends of Middle-earth book and we make army lists from it. Uh, today we're doing uh, the Tower of Ithelion. And we're doing 250, 500, and 750 point armies. So, uh, Charles, why don't you start us off with uh, what you've got? Okay, so with my um, 250 point army, it's actually quite a sort of standard army. Um, I've got a captain with a shield on foot, three mm -hmm. knights with shields. Um, of course, they come with lances. Um, I've got three citadel guards with longbows, four warriors of Minas Tirith with shields, and five warriors of Minas Tirith with spears and shields, and as always, Beregrond on horse. Um, Beregrond on horse. Beregrond, Captain. You mean Beregond? Beregrond. Beregond. You're uh, as bad as me with punctuation. <laughs> I think you've too many R's in there, Charles. Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, well, the basic tactic for this army is basically for the infantry act as a shield wall. They move forward and hopefully the enemy sort of shatters against them with their high defence and the cavalry will move around the side and wipe out whatever's sort of is straggling behind from the infantry, the enemy infantry. Mm -hmm. How many models do you have in that one? Um, 20, I think. So this is what happens when you don't, 20. When, when you, when you don't use an Excel program, you just write it out. <laughs> uh, but it's easier for uh, you to write it out. Keeps my brain sharp, Travis. Charles just spent about an hour writing out his list by hand, and uh, Travis and I threw ours together in about five minutes. So using a computer <laughs> program is a really good idea. Yeah, so for my 500-point army, I've chosen... Hey, hey, stop there. What about our 250s? Oh, fine. You can talk about your 250s. Way too so. quick. Uh, first of all, your 250. Um, pretty good army, actually. I don't um, mind it. It's all right. A bit um, lower numbers, but it's got a mix of everything. can do a bit of everything. I don't mind it. Yeah, it doesn't specialise in any one thing, though. Mm. It's got a fair amount of archery, five, five bows in the army. Um, well, the two captains... Might have a bit more versatility. Well, one. Are you going to daisy chain with Baragon? Um, perhaps, yeah, maybe. Um, well, what do you mean by daisy uh, chain? Uh, okay, for those that don't know what I uh, mean by daisy chain, it means uh, <laughs> having like a citadel guard, bodyguard Baragon, and then Baragon bodyguard the captain Minas Tirith. Uh, daisy chain. Yeah, well, that's generally what I do. I have him bodyguard another hero so that he gets to stand fast as long as our other hero is alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, I will daisy chain with... Um, oh, for Baragon. those who can't see, because this is a podcast, he's doing quotation marks. <laughs> <laughs> Good work. Uh, yeah, it's um, been fairly reasonable a force for me in, in the past, and I've used it before. Um, mm -hmm. How'd that go? At Minimize last year, it was, that it was go? 17th out of 20. <laughs> Good force there. Yeah. <laughs> Jez, why don't you go next? Okay, look, my forces, I'm not a big Gondor player, so I've just gone for what I would love to do if I played Gondor. My 250-point army, I've started off with Captain of Minas Tirith, and to give him some extra hitting power, I've given him a horse, a lance, and a shield, so he comes at about 70 points. No other captains, I think that's enough. He should be able to hit most things at 250 points. I've then added uh, a strong, well, not strong, a pretty average bow contingent, um, one Citadel Guard with bow, uh, sort of being a sub-captain, a little bit of a commander for his four Warriors of Minas Tirith with bows. So five bows, one of them strength three, 
for the strength two, which should be should be okay at two fifty. I don't think it's under under shooting power. Then I've gone for a real hard hitting force of seven Knights of Minas Tirith with shield, and two of them with uh, no shield. So they will come with lances, which really hits hard. And then finally, I've got just for the fun of it, one Citadel Guard on horse with no weapon, so just the, the sword that he comes with. Um, I figure I would convert him up as a bit of a messenger and have a real strong theme. So it's a, a personal entourage of uh, the Knights of Minas Tirith with some bowmen backing up and some a little bit of conversion opportunities. It should be a bit of fun. Mm. So it's I've good. got 16 yeah. models, one captain, uh, well... 10, 11 cavalry models and only five models on foot. So a bit Pretty of an fast unusual. army for a two fifty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, my aim is that actually sounds quite scary. Well, for me anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, all right. I suppose it's my turn now. Yeah. Uh, well, what I've I've mine's a bit similar to Charles, but uh, I'll kick the crap through him. Uh, no problem. <laughs> Hardly. Um, it's got Berrigan as well, but not on horse, just on foot. Um, I decided to go a bit, uh, a bit different. I've decided to take Pippin with uh, an Elven cloak. I Pippin, figure, Pippin is weak. Oh, he'll do really? fine with an Elven cloak. You will not get a single shot at him, and he's a pretty. But decent... then when he gets in combat, he's dead. I won't let him get in combat. He's, he's a leadership hero. He's mm-hmm. carried four with two points of will. So yeah. So do you have enough. any other heroes in there? Uh, no, just those two. Just so they mm-hmm. come in around about fifty points, sixty points or so. So I don't mind that. Um, dirt also... cheap. Dirt cheap indeed. Yeah. Uh, for the rest of my force, I've got Sit Citadel Guard with longbow. Uh, mm-hmm. Six Fountain Court Guard with shield mm-hmm. and eight Warriors of Minas Tirith with shield. So I'm going heavy on the bodyguard troops, heavy on the fight four. And my idea is that the sheer defensive power of this force should be able to stop anything that comes at it. That's a mm, that's an interesting one. So you've got relatively weak captains and then pretty elite troops to, to back them up. So how many defense six guys do you actually have in the army? Uh, 14. Okay. That's fair well, enough. actually, no. I only have eight, but uh, got six <laughs> of them that are defense seven. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, the guards of the fountain. Mm-hmm. And with two heroes, um, each one of them will take uh, one of the bodyguarding troops. So it's an all-infantry force? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. What are you going to do in the, the movement scenarios, like the um, reconnoiter or the basically the ones where you have to outmaneuver your opponent? Yeah. Well, probably do what I'd generally do with all the infantry armies keep the archers back stop anything that tries to break through me and just try to punch a hole running as fast as I can with um, a block of infantry across the, the edge of the board and I think mm-hmm. with Phantom Court spearheading that bearing on backing them up with the point of the mind if they need it they probably have a, a fair decent crack to get off the board and yeah. so if the enemy cavalry come in and run down that little group of eight men that you got running across the board hey, they're not going to run down too easy they're fight four and remember they can shield as well <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah that's true Shielding. I actually like that force as well um, I do like to have some fast movement in there so you, you're cutting sort of one of the, the things that I like out but what I like is a bodyguard rule because you can, even if you're broken you can throw your guys right on the side as long as you look after Pippin which let's face it is bloody easy especially with an open close yeah, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. he's, he's, he's going to be ankle high at them and you, any part of his body gets covered you can't see him so just a couple guys with shields in front of him blocking him off even and one guy, really. Yeah, you could really almost outmaneuver your opponent just by forcing them to cover a whole bunch of areas. Yeah. Hmm. 
Okay, so that's our 250 armies. Uh, we'll up the ante a bit more with um, an extra 250 points, making it 500. So, uh, Jeremy, why don't you keep the ball rolling this time? Oh, why not? Um, I've gone for a 41-model strong 500-point army, which is not too bad for a Gondor one. That's fairly I've, decent. I've started off with Faramir, and going by my sort of hard-hitting guy on horse theme, I've taken given him a horse, a lance, and heavy armour. So he comes to 90 points all up. Um, should be able to match it with most people. I do have to look out for things like trolls or anything really nasty. But and then your 5-6 nasties as well. Yeah, but I figure he should do all right. For the fun of it, I've thrown in Denethor as well. There's a, a bit of a family theme there. He's only 30 points, so he's a dirt-cheap hero. And he's got a really interesting rule where basically he can annoy you by going and essentially being an evil model for a turn if he's... Fails his courage check, so I like that in the theme. That doesn't worry you at all, that he might suddenly start attacking your own troops? No, look, I mean, he's going to be hard-pressed to... to, to yeah, if he does so what? He's got a high courage, he's got some will, he's... He's really not a mole that you see very often, though, is he? So I guess it adds some no, variety to I like it, I like it. It's, it's yeah. something different, and honestly, I'm not that worried about it. it yeah, he's Courage 5, so... I don't think you can get obsessed with that sort of negative stuff. No, not really. So then for, for Warriors, I've got uh, 10 Warriors and Minas Tirith with bow. So 10 Bowmen's reasonably decent. That should be enough to, if I need to get into shooting war, I can hold my own. I've got 5 Warriors and Minas Tirith with shield. And 10 of them with shield and spear. So I've gone a bit spear heavy in this one. My thoughts are that if the enemy gets up and close, I can always spear behind my bowmen. So, <laughs> so that's why I've got a bit more spearmen there. I'm not a, not usually one to take a lot of spearmen, except in my Harrod army. What but are you laughing about, Charles? Nothing. Don't worry. Keep going. Then scheming something. Actually, I pressed the wrong button on my Excel document. Um, I thought it was <laughs> the uh, the shieldman when I did it quickly. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, the knights, then I took six Knights of Minas Tirith with shield. Uh, I really like these models. They're, I think they're one of the best cavalry models for the points. Um, and they're, they're plastic models. I've also got two without shield. Um, and that's basically because I've got a whole bunch of ones without shield, the old metal ones in my cabinet, and I want to use them. Me and too. So I've got two of those. I've got six guards of the Fountain Court. Now, I didn't put shields on them because... I wanted them to be a bit like the movie where they just have the spears, and I think it's more entertaining. So basically, they're going to go around with uh, Denethor as a hard-hitting force, and they're either going to hit the enemy hard, or Denethor's going to beat them up, which I think could be amusing no matter what. <laughs> uh, then I've got uh, nothing else. Nothing else. Okay. <laughs> so All what right. do we think of that? It sounds, mm. it sounds like a pretty infantry-heavy force. Um, well, it's got a bit of everything, which is yeah. which is always nice. Yeah, a um, bit of bows, a bit of spears, some shields, some fountain court guys. It's um, just personal opinion that I'd rather have Citadel Guard bowmen over um, normal bowmen, but I guess you do get more because they cost yeah, two points less. What's your reasoning bowmen. behind taking normal bowmen over the uh, the more superior Citadel Guard? The more superior Citadel Guard. Well, yeah. well you pay well, for that <laughs> superior nature of them. Quite Two points. For those that... <laughs> yeah, look at those that can't see us. Thanks, Trevor. <laughs> Quotation Nazi here. <laughs> um, look, 
I don't really see that much of a difference. Honestly, I, with most of my armies, I don't tend to shoot that much. I shoot when there's an opportunity. It's not my main focus. The Warriors of Minas Tirith do fine. And I like my forces to have a strong theme. And I've played against that many Gondor armies, which is all Citadel Guard, Fountain Court Guard, and then a couple of infantry guys. And I wanted to make it up for the, the bulk of more, I guess, themed realistic force. Where the elite troops are exactly that, the elite troops. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not they're not the common ones. So it's yeah. not a, it's not an elite theme. Um, Faramir does have his his entourage of, of knights there, but it's not supposed to be all the the metal guys that are quite expensive to buy and make it look like your army's all elites. All right. Well, uh, Charles, why don't you uh, give us your army next? Uh, so, just seeing as we've been discussing elites, my army is full of them. <laughs> Quite full of them. <laughs> I've got Faramir on horse with lance and heavy armour, and he has quite awesome hitting power. And oh, same often, as mine, it's a good choice. People often underestimate him. And again, Beragrond on a horse, because I love the model. Who? Beragrond. <laughs> <laughs> I swear there's an extra R in there, guys, I swear. I've got six Knights of Shields that will ride round in that group, so that with Bera, Gond, and Faramir. <laughs> so that's basically what does the hitting in my army. Um, I've got eight Citadel Guard Bowmen and um, four Guards of the Fountain Court with shields. Mm-hmm. So they're basically the elite guys in my army. Um, the Grunt Infantry, I've got eight Warriors of Minas Tirith with spears and shields and eight Warriors of Minas Tirith with shields. Mm-hmm. And also four Warrior of Minas Tirith archers just because I could take that many archers in my army and... Yeah, I only have 10, war- ten Citadel Guard Bowman models, so I bulked it out with normal archers. Mm-hmm. So that's all of them? Yeah, that's all. Did um, you say the guards of the Fountain Court? Yes, uh, I... Okay, I've just yeah, missed yeah. that. I jumbled it. When you talk, I tend to, <laughs> tend to just stop listening for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Am I that boring, really? No, no. no. We're just having a go at you, Charles. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so you've taken the max archers, have you? Uh, yeah, pretty close to it. I think it's mm-hmm. about 32% archers the last time I worked it out. So you're going to basically stand back, let the opponent come to you? Uh, no, I quite. I use my Citadel Guard Bowman as basically two or three standing there shooting mm-hmm. and with the Warriors and Miss Tirith archers and the other six or five move forward with the infantry block to provide fight for. Same with the uh, Guards of the Fountain Court, they move forward with the infantry block. And what's your plan with Berigond? You've got him on horse, do you? Yeah, I basically use him to keep my knights around because the way I use Faramir, i.e. throwing forward lots, he dies pretty quickly. Okay, so he's he's a reserve yeah, people, leader in case you... People tend to pick on um, on Faramir for some reason every time I use him. So who are your, your bodyguards guarding? I guess Beragrond will be guarding Faramir and probably the Citadel Guard Bowman will be bodyguarding Beragrond. The guards of the Fountain Court, usually they bodyguard Faramir as well. So that, just so that I've got a, a fairly mm-hmm. even split or some sort of split. Okay. So if you take one out, you've still got yeah. some bodyguard in play. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Travis. All right. You've been waiting for this, haven't you? Well, I, I think I've done a, a little bit interesting here. Um, I, I haven't really gone for a, a lot of guys or any of the big heroes. I've actually decided to go for four ministerious captains, two with shield and two with bow. So uh, my, my reasoning behind this is um, I reckon that... Uh, 
a few a, a few smaller generic heroes will be if they tag even if they tag team together they'll be able to take out a bigger hero as well. What, what have they got on them? What equipment? Uh, two of them have shield. Two of them have bow. No horses. No horses. So you got four foot characters. Yeah, pretty much. In five hundred points. Yeah. What else have you got? Well, what else have I got? Okay, I've got eight citadel guard with spear, eight mm-hmm. citadel guard with bow. Seven Warriors of Minas Tirith with shield, and seven minutes Warriors of Minas Tirith with uh, spear and shield. Okay, how many models is that all up? 35. That's not too bad, actually. I short. expected... It, I, was, I was thinking about dropping um, an extra captain and beefing the numbers up, but I think that four generic captains are going to carve their way pretty quickly, especially with the spear behind them. That's three attacks with strength four. Yeah. They're going to work their way through, through troops pretty quickly. It's not bad because you've really got that redundancy where it's, yeah. if a ring wraith or a troll yeah. goes and targets one, you don't really need yeah, you to don't, worry. You don't really care. And that's a decent amount of might, isn't it? It's eight points of might, yeah. so I, I can I can pretty much well with eight points of might you can deal with cavalry as well mm. because who cares if they get in close? You'll be you'll be able to call the heroic moves constantly to, to stop them from charging and eventually bring them down. And with, with shielding as well, I mean I've got sixteen got fifteen guys there which which generic guys with shield, they'll be able to, to, to beef off a, a fairly decent attack. A lot of people swear by name characters and you've gone four generic ones, surely you could have dropped one of those and upgraded to Faramir or a Boromir or something mm-hmm. like that. I was thinking that, but a lot of the scenarios like except for like things like to kill a king and contest of champions and things like that. I think benefit more benefit you more if if you take a a, a couple a couple of heroes. I've like, probably taken that that an extra step further by taking a lot of generic heroes mm-hmm. instead of um, taking one big hero to focus my entire army around. Because let's face it, if if you take a, a bomber and he dies, there goes two thirds of your army pretty much, and it's two thirds. Well, maybe not two thirds. Probably more like a half or so. Yeah. But there goes half your army in one model. <laughs> yeah. The impact that can have is huge, but I just say don't let him die. How are you going to win two killer king and contest of champions though when you've got a little minuscule hero that you've got to either defend or attack with? Whereas if someone could have something really quite hitty, like Shelob or, I don't know, a Gothmog or something like that. Well... First of all, um, to kill a king, um, yep. I think that with uh, four minister captains, and uh, even if you take into account that you you got to use one of them for a king, you still got three minister captains on the offensive. And so I take it you you make one of the bowmen your king, put him yeah. right at the back, and let him just sniper off things from far away. Well, yeah. E- even if even if worst case scenario, you stick him in the middle of those of those fifteen. Um, Warriors of Connor mm. Shield, yep. it's going to take you a while to yep. just to punch through because everyone knows Gondor are pretty hard. Gondor tin cans, they're the hardest thing to get through. Yeah, that's true. They're a pain. Um, for for Contest of Champions, I probably might go another Bowman guy as well. Maybe try to, to get a few early kills with the archery and hope that when you get into combat, you can just outmaneuver your opponent and get pick on the, his uh, small weak guys. So pick off um, lower armoured guys, get yeah, two or like three kills early, orcs and, and, and then avoid and their leader for the rest of the game and just try and take them that all out? That's I mean, I can always use two. If uh, they've got a big heavy one like an Aragorn or something, and mm-hmm. he just goes honing missile on my hero, I can easily just go 
two, three generic heroes into into just Aragorn and Aragorn himself. As soon as he rolls one bad roll, mm-hmm. goodbye because he ain't going to survive. Defense. He's not going to survive for four rounds of a round of uh, three ministers captains all going at him at the same time. Oh, yeah, that could be an interesting one actually. That would be worth seeing. Yeah. Although I wouldn't really be a fan of watching that game Gondor versus Gondor. That could be a bit that boring. Like, yeah. like mm. pulling teeth. <laughs> not that bad I wasn't conscious when they pulled mine <laughs> <laughs> well well even if you look at the the evil armies as well like like your goth mongs or, or even your, your ring race with uh, all their stats up I, I still think you're going to have a bit of difficulty getting through defence 7 defence 6 warriors mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I suppose okay so that's our 500 armies uh, we'll go to well Probably for us, kind of the, the bigger the bigger games that we would play, um, the the seven fifties. Uh, mm-hmm. That's probably the limit to our kind of gameplay at the moment. Um, so, Jeremy, why don't you take it again? Uh, okay. You got something a bit polar opposite to what I just had. Do I just? Oh yes, I um. After all that talk about how Aragorn's going to be no good, blah blah blah. I've decided to go Aragorn the King with Armoured Horse for a whopping 275 points. <laughs> so this is the, the true all-eggs-in-one-basket kind of guy. Yeah. Um, he's going to be right in the centre of the army, carving his way through anything, I think. And he's the king, so he's got that bloody sword. Yeah, he's got the, got the sword that says, Haha, your troll three. can't do anything against me. <laughs> then I've got a captain of Minas Tirith with a bow. Oh, so you've decided to go with the, the second captain. Pretty similar to the idea you did. Um, I went for that because it's threatening from long range, um, a little bit tougher than Berigond with uh, some more might, and basically for things like to kill a king. Now, to kill a king, honestly, it's going to be Aragorn, my king, because he is the king. Mm. But there is times when you just want a hero back, guarding the rest of the force, calling a heroic move to retreat um, using leadership tests. So he's basically just a line holder. He stays there. He can waddle up to the, the enemy, shooting his bow as he goes. And So, so basically he's like the, the backup. So he's a backup. He, he, even if Aragorn uh, has a misfortune, and, misfortune of, say, coming up against with two or three ring race or something like that, you, you still can keep going with your army. Yeah, basically it's it's... My thought is, even though there's a huge amount of points in Aragorn, my army should be able to still hold their own without him. And that's the thing. If they break even, and I've got Aragorn there, he should tip the balance. Next up, Warriors. I've got... uh, What have I got? 11 with... uh, Shield? No, sorry. 11 with Bow. 11 with Bow. 8 with Shield. So, once again, more Bow. Uh, I've got 10 with Shield and Spear. Now, once again, I'm not a, not the biggest spear supporter, but I think Gondor, it's just one of the things that works reasonably well for them. So, 10 spearmen, not too bad. Anything makes them tough to kill, I guess. Well, it doesn't... It gives them more dice in combat. It just means you can fight on a tighter front with them. Yeah. Which is okay. Yeah. Uh, then I've got uh, my, my backbone, my seven knights of Minas Tirith with shield, because I'm never leaving these guys home. <laughs> then uh, two knights and ministers without shield, for reasons I stated before, and citadel guard. I've got citadel guard this time. I've got three with longbow, and then I've got three with nothing. 
which I figure Citadel Guard with a fight four, I don't really want them sitting at the back spearing. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. want them in the front row. So I figure chop off the spears, put a bit of sword on them and let them get fighting. So let the spearmen be the, the Minas Tirith guys. And that's that's the force. 40, 46 models, not a huge amount, but enough that it, with the high defense of Gondor, it's going to be hard to get through. And Aragorn's really going to put the pressure on the opponent. But if they manage to kill Aragorn, then... Well, I'm not going to let them, am I? Yeah. You're going to have to do... How are they going to kill Aragorn? I got... There are ways. Ten movement. Oh, yeah. I've got... A free point of might. A free point of might. It's going to take oh, them... I suppose, yeah. They're going to have to concentrate remember, on Remember, that. Charles, this isn't you playing. It is Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I forgot that. It's, it's not. It's, it's not you suiciding Faramir into Shelob. It's I didn't suicide <laughs> into Shelob. Oh yes, yes, sure, sure, sure. Remember that game back at uh, GW last year, late last year. Yeah. <laughs> I think you guys are getting oh. off topic here. Yeah, we were right, talking right. about my army list. <laughs> <laughs> back to army lists. You have what three hundred and thirty points in two models, though. Yeah, I suppose if Aragorn pays off for you, though. Look, he's going to. He's mm, he's either yeah. going to force the opponent to spend so much effort to yep, kill him. Definitely. So they're gonna they're gonna commit more than three hundred points worth to try and knock him off. Oh it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's going to be tough for them to to just get two seventy points worth of stuff mm. to really pick him off. They need to they need to concentrate on it. It's yep. hard work. It's not an easy kill, and things like ring rakes on foul beasts or anything that can pick him off reasonably well cost almost easy. the same amount of points anyway, and it's still a gamble. So I think he's all right. I wouldn't take him in anything less than 750. Let's put yeah, it that way. Yeah. But 750 is the time when you throw out your massive heroes and you just say, watch what they can do. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going any wussy horde army. I'm not taking 75 men of Minas Tirith with wet rags and a shield. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for the hard-hitting force of Aragorn. So how, how many models was in there? 46. Okay. All right, so we go from Jeremy's hard-hitting Aragorn force to Charles's... Wet rags uh, with shields. <laughs> wet rags, hardly. You've gone for Aragorn, King Alessar. I've mm. gone for the other alternative, Boromir, Captain of the White Tower. With like, banner or without? Without banner, because okay. mm -hmm. I like the hard-hitting, I have a lance on horse and shield kind of guy. Okay. Um, instead Is that of, the one that's got the, um, the will and the fate? Yeah. Yeah. So the captain. Yeah. Okay, yep. Six might, three will, three fate. Mm -hmm. um, so oh, six might. Ugh. Yeah, he can. Be, <laughs> he's quite scary. Backing, like that. Okay. Um, backing him up on a horse. I also have Beragond, mm -hmm. um, and six knights with shields. And um, yeah, instead of having Faramir as a spearhead, I use Boromir instead. Um, I also have Faramir with heavy armor, who will lead my infantry. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of infantry, I've got eight warriors with spears and shield and eight warriors with shield um, and five warriors with bows. And again, I've gone sort of elite heavy. In uh, I have nine Citadel Guard with longbows and six guards of the Fountain Court with uh, shields. And I also had spare points left to throw in a banner. Mm -hmm. How many models? Uh, 46, same as you. Not enough for you. <laughs> no, I probably need about 100 models just to compete with your 46. So you've pretty much got a very similar force to mine. Yeah, Except it's you, pretty you pretty similar, much downgraded yeah. Aralorn for a Boromir. And, and taking a banner as extra. Yeah, yeah taking his, taking his uh, brother with him as well. 
Yeah, that, that is the one thing missing from my force. I don't have any banners, which would be very nice of Aragorn around. So, oh, yeah, yeah. The high fight and the banner. But I, I just couldn't do it with Aragorn. You said you had a banner in your force, yes, Charles? Yes. Why Why then don't you, say, um, upgrade that banner to, to the white banner? Because the, the, yeah, the banner that. of the white tower basically can get you a, a solid fight five across the board. And good luck assassinating you... the banner bearer when it's Boromir who's going to mm. belt up anyone. I mean, he, remember, he doesn't get that the, uh, the, the minus one for being in combat with a banner because he, he's such an awesome fighter, as it says in the rule book. Mm. And all these mates around him are going to be better fighters as well, so that just yeah. tips the balance there. Imagine that cavalry. It with, makes one cavalry charge all that more potent. Yeah, fight four cavalry with lances. That's going to be really nasty. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I've just never thought of taking him. And the fact that when I got the figure, I only got one with one. I had the choice of a sword or a banner, and I went to oh, sword. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I just don't have the figure there. I suppose I could try some games out with him and just say he's got the banner. I just, I just think it's it such before. a good centerpiece model. Like, at 750 yeah, yeah. points, you need something that the enemy focuses on and also something to really paint up and make it look good. And what better to go with, with Barrymore well. having a huge flag? Barrymore? You're what? No, no, you've got the decision. Yeah, you said Barrymore. Barrymore. Sorry, did I? <laughs> I have to go over this and check and edit it out. <laughs> that was... Boromir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I suppose then he has to lose his lance and his shield. He but loses some some hitting power, but then you but sort still, of change the role. Boromir, using, Boromir like, yes. on a horse, charging to combat. He gets four attacks with a knockdown and his strength oh, four. Yeah. And you got six points of might there, so if you really do need to take something out, you can do it. Yeah, I suppose you can still mm -hmm. use him the same way. He just is slightly yeah. less killing. I still, I still maintain it's a pretty similar army to mine. I think you play them you, the same. You are trading that for fight seven anyway, so it means that he can go toe to toe with Mordor trolls and the like if you really have to. Mm. Yeah, fight, fight seven. Mm. Yeah, fight seven. That's huge. Yes. Can run up to a, a troll. And yeah, because there's not a lot damage. of things in, in no, Gundor, that are above fight Gundor seven. Gondor has nothing other than Boromir, Captain of the White Tower, that's fight seven. Mm. Mm. Pretty much every other army can't boast they have a fight seven army, except for, say, like elves. Anything yeah, but elves are, yeah, yeah. Can't, elves hit, are, can't fight their way over wet paper bag because oh. too weak. Unless you're playing against me. <laughs> Let's whatever. leave that argument for another time. Okay, okay. that sounds like a good one. <laughs> Your list, Travis. All right. Well, I've just gone screw it and gone for one of one of my lists. Um, I've gone for actually. I've changed the list. I've gone for Rangers of Athelion. Um, this is actually a list I, I plan on um, taking to a tournament or something. One so, day. so wait a second. We wait. said Tower of Ichthelion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've yeah. made You're a Rangers of Athelion list. Now, now let's still just just as explain. Before this meeting, we said we're going to choose one list from Legions of Middle Earth. Take it from that list, and this was Tower of Ecthelion, and you've just gone and taken an army from a totally different list. Hey, uh, still, still the same realm. Still the same realm, though. Still the same realm. Go um, on, tell me it. All right, all right. Well, first of all, I've got Faramir. Um, this is ranged Faramir, of course, mm -hmm. with Bow and Damrod. I have, uh, that's, I'll get to the, to the little interesting part at the end. Um, mm -hmm. I've got a Warrior Minister with Banner. Mm hmm. Eight warriors minus Tirith with shield. Eight warriors minus Tirith with shield and spear. Yep. I have five Oskiliath veterans with shield and spear. Five Oskiliath mm -hmm. veterans with uh, just generic shield. Yep. Nine Citadel guard with spear. Seventeen rangers of Gondor. And I also have Samwise with elven cloak. Frodo with sting. Uh, the mithril coat and elven cloak. And Golem. 
Okay. <laughs> wow. That's nice. Nice. It's a pretty themed force. Yeah, it's Look, sounds... full marks for theme. That, that's yeah. a nice, nice themed force. Ten points. No marks for following instructions. Mr. Tauvik fell on this, not even from that list. <laughs> um, so 17 ranges. Yeah. yeah. That's a huge amount of bow fire. Might, might consider putting some of the spears from the Citadel Guard on them as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, not a bad yeah, idea. Yeah, it's got some serious firepower. Again, what, what are you going to do with Sam and Frodo? Yeah, well, what are they there to Sam, do? Sam, first of all, hide. is hide. That's what Sam does. Oh, that, that's worth it. <laughs> well, and how many points uh, is that? The way I see it hide? is Sam is the backup hero. Okay. Because he's, he's Courage 5. So he's there for two points of So you pretty much can guarantee that he ain't going to get shot out and he's going to be there at the end of the game. Uh, Golem mm-hmm. is my little assassin because he's, he's pretty nasty. He's pretty tough. He's straightforward to attacks. And, and five for like two. one five point four. of might. And yeah, but he's 25 points. Running what around else can say they have two attacks. And a piece of fish. What else has two attacks at 25 points? Nothing. This ain't a lot. My hood. Are you and your bloody <laughs> Shielding Urukai. Corsair Reavers, shield. 10 points. Uh, Go on, keep going. Uh, we, we, we can have four right. yeah. off topic. Well, Frodo, Frodo um, I actually quite like because he has the ring, first of all. The idea with Frodo is he slips on the ring, mm-hmm. runs through your line, mm-hmm. takes off the ring, and assassinates something. And I think Frodo... With his one attack? Well, he has Sting and, three, and two points of might. So... So he's what? He's strength not, three. Strength three, but remember... It's, it's one attack. And he's going to be assassinating what now? A banner. A banner, okay. A banner or okay. something. Leaving like that. him surrounded by a I whole can bunch see of that. angry. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Frodo can't get you surrounded because if you surround Frodo, he goes, The oh, ring. I'll put on the ring now, and you've just wasted six guys. Mm-hmm. Just hoping to come against witch kings or ring wraiths and things. Yeah. Well, if I do come across ring wraiths and witch kings, I can always just run away. Because he's still, mm-hmm. still got the elven pipe as well. How many models do you have? Uh. 58, which is more than used to. That's a that's a good amount of models. That's Yeah, it's, so that's fairly decent. It takes a lot to work through. So you probably could hide him, and, and if the rest of your force did their job, mm. I reckon he would be really valuable in things like Reconnoiter, getting off the board, yep. mm. um, to kill a king when they come up to him. Ring goes on, and he disappears off. Um, some of the other movement ones, I think he could be, could be a bit of an annoyance. I, I, I'd like to see how he goes, and I like that you took Golem with him as well, because I think that's... Probably the one real advantage he has mm. is that you can take Gollum. But I don't know. I'm interested to see how it goes. Mm. Well, I reckon it's going to be a pretty pretty solid courage force as well. It's, it's not going to get... Oh, it's well, not going to run away, is it? It's not going to run away. Not, not with Frodo, who pretty much has instant courage. You've courage got Faramir, and you've got the Oscilla veterans who fight better when they're around Faramir. So that's And they're Courage line. 4 as well. They're Courage they? 4. Yeah. I definitely rate the... Oh, they're Courage the 4, are they? Yeah, yeah I definitely four. rate the, the paying the extra point of... Um, the extra point for the extra point of Courage. Oh, I definitely rate the Oscilla veterans. Okay, because I, I didn't see many people taking them. Hmm. Probably because they I've, don't really rate the list that they're in. I just never got the figures. I reckon it's kind of sad, because I think the Oscilla veterans are really quite... As well as some all right models, I, I reckon they're pretty damn good for, for what you pay. I mean, they're pretty much the same points as the Citadel Guard, and the, they're pretty much always going to be around Faramir. And if you put Faramir in there as well, they become some yeah, yeah. pretty decent dudes, warriors. <laughs> Jeremy, give me the thumbs up there. 
I'm trying to, to do the uh, the the wrap it up signal, but um, we haven't established a wrap it up signal yet. That would have been helpful to you to find that before the podcast. Well, right? I don't think you would have listened because I defined the Tower of Ecthelion before. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's what we have for uh, the muster of mm-hmm. gathering your mustering your forces. So stay tuned for some uh, more podcast action. You'll have to think quick in quick thoughts. Your love of a halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. All right, just quickly, we're going to have a seg- uh, one of our segments, Quick Thoughts. So we're going to have a dis- uh, quick discussion on Spearman. All right, so we have uh, Charles for the positive and Jeremy for the negative. Uh-huh. Charles, go. Okay, Spears. Spears are awesome. In a Gondor army, they really work well. You sit them behind your men, they give you an extra attacking combat. They can also be counted as hand weapons, and if they have shields, they're also quite handy in terms of defense as well. They're one of the best troops that I can think of, apart uh, because they're so awesome and flexible. You can use them, as I said, as defensive or aggressive troops, and they're basically one of the best troops in the game, I think. All right, thanks, Charles. Jeremy, go. Spears, overrated. So overrated. The crutch of a player who can't play. Basically, Spears force you into little tiny formations that are easy to surround. Formations that spread out wide, that surround the opponent, that don't bother using their spears, do brilliantly. Look at dwarves. They don't need spears. Spears are for wusses. Don't tell me about spears unless they're throwing spears, because I don't want to hear it. Spears are crap. I think you've staged your point there. That was uh, quick thoughts. Thank you very much. Well... That's it for the first episode of the Green Dragon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thegreendragonpodcast, or one word, at gmail.com. If you want to play a game against us, feel free to come along to our gaming club, Nunawadi War Games Association in Melbourne, Australia. The meeting dates are on our website, www dot nwa dot org dot au The preceding podcast used sound clips and music from the Lord of the Rings movies. We do not claim ownership of any of these sound files. The Green Dragon podcast is not for profit. We are not affiliated in any way with Tolkien Enterprises, New Line Cinema, Games Workshop or anyone else for that matter. If you're referring to the incident with the dragon, I was barely involved. Well, I'm back from the start, back in 2014. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. It's funny that we never brought it out. We hit some snags. We didn't know how to get an account to upload it to. We were really nervous. We thought, what if people don't like us? And that's really solved itself because everyone's been so nice to us about feedback. We know we've had sound issues and we really want to fix that up and we're going to continue to work on that. But people have been really positive overall, and it's great to have listeners. It's really rewarding. So thank you again for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow with an all-new episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment.
The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.